Welcome, listener. Join us for this Clear Path to Success professional development podcast. All right. Thank you, everybody who is listening to this. This is an important podcast. This is going to be really about the, the politics, the future of the field, where we're at with uh, the national and state organizations, what we need to do, uh, how we can get involved, and, and where our field is going. And uh, you might not like uh, where it's going. You might not like hearing some of this, but it's very important that you do. It's very important that uh, we all know what's going on with other professions trying to infringe on our scope. It's, it's important to know what we can do about this. And also uh, we'll go over other things too about, you know, why and how we can get into more mainstream and why it's important for everybody to be on board, even if we don't share all of the same objectives in this field, as far as what we want to do personally, um, there are things that we all should be doing to support the field as a whole, regardless of what our own personal, um, you know, preferences are. Um, our guest today is uh, Callie Diamond, and Callie Diamond is a licensed acupuncturist, and she's also the president. Callie, you there? I am. Callie, you're on. Awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and putting up with us. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just just doing the uh, the introduction uh, for you when you when you came on, and um, basically, I'm going to also get Danielle on the phone or on the phone. I call it the phone because this is uh, we're doing it on the platform that where we used to do the internet radio show back in the day, and uh, Danielle is, should be on too. Danielle, you there? I'm here. Hey, everybody's here. Callie Diamond. Danielle, we're good. We're good to go. Um, uh, Danielle, I don't know if you could hear the the introduction that I did before we started. I don't know. I I could hear it. You could hear it. Okay. Thank you. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I wasn't sure how uh, how this uh, setup works, but um, basically, I wanted to um, introduce Callie. Now, Callie, you're you're a licensed acupuncturist. You're um, President of the Health Policy Institute. The Health Policy Advocacy Institute. Advocacy is an important word. You don't want to miss that. <laughs> um, you you have a uh, you know your your background includes um, uh, a variety of of political uh, political uh, jobs, but one of them was a federal lobbyist as well, working yeah. with congressional members. And basically, now we're lucky to have you. Um, you're a consultant for the um, the ASA. Yes, I am. I, I actually, it's I, hmm, it's complicated, I suppose. I used to sit on the board of the ASA. I, I have mm-hmm. a I have a primarily political background. I work I've worked in government affairs for almost a little over 20 years. And um, along the way, I, I think I landed in acupuncture in much the same way that many people do. Um, they, I had a health crisis. And um, so at the, the height of my career in D.C., I also uh, was diagnosed with cancer at an early age. I was 33 years old at the time. And um, 
uh, in D.C. you cannot, you, you can't be sick. Um, so it wasn't anything that I, I could really embrace. And um, and at the time, being very um, uh, vehemently indignant, I refused to sort of <clears throat> to succumb to anything like that. And so I, I figured by ignoring it, that would probably just make it go away. Um, but sure, the that's truth reasonable. was, I, well, of course, I I had uh, you know a motto that was I'll sleep when I'm dead, and it nearly killed me, and um, and I was outed by the Washington Post with regards to my illness, which was no fun either because that caused a dark sort of circle at the time, and I got lucky enough to have a doctor who really did not believe in poisoning the whole system uh, in order to treat cancer. And so I had several surgeries, but then also he introduced me to an acupuncturist and a Chinese herbalist and a nutritionist, and and we just sort of changed my lifestyle completely. Um, and then about eight years later, because I felt like acupuncture was some sort of magic that was being weirded, uh, I wanted to know what was behind that. So I hmm. left my very lucrative job. <laughs> <laughs> and um, decided to go to school for the next five and a half years to, to study everything that I could. And that actually led me back to exactly what I was doing before, just with a focus on health care rather than financial services. Wow. Uh, Callie, didn't you, didn't you say you also have acupuncturists in your family? I do. I'm, I'm one of – so uh, by the time my daughter finishes school, she will be the fifth. Um, we have uh, two that studied out at PCOM in San Diego. One has since passed away, so she's no longer with us. And, and Claire was likely the impetus for all of us going on to study this medicine. She was just an amazing person. And then I have another cousin, Amy, in uh, Austin, Texas, who studied there. Um, I studied in Maryland. Um, uh, and then my daughter will choose. She has been accepted to the National University of Natural Medicine, but is uh, missing her family all the way, you know, 3,000 miles away. And so she will probably likely end up at a doctoral program in North Carolina. Oh, oh nice. nice. So family, family, uh, that's awesome. It is. So for, for anyone out there who, because um, I know in the past you've gotten some flack that you're not even an acupuncturist, so when you bring up uncomfortable topics, within the field of acupuncture, uh, well, uncomfortable in some ways, but very important in other ways, of course. You know, one of the things is you don't know. Uh, you certainly do know. You're, you're an acupuncturist. You have, I do. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Have, I have been an acupuncturist in practice. Um, I, I have both not taken insurance for a couple of years. I have been a part of insurance networks afterwards. Um, I stopped being, I was a practitioner in two states, so I was licensed in Maryland and D.C., and I stopped, uh, I did not renew that license uh, or either of those licenses after my husband died about a year and a half ago. Um, so I just needed to focus on the things that I could control, and uh, anybody who is uh, worth their salt as an acupuncturist recognizes that you can't necessarily treat people when you can't be present to mm -hmm. what their issues are. And mm -hmm. so I felt like the best thing for me to do was to focus on getting everybody gainfully employed and, um, and upping their uh, visibility with regards to federal influence and also helping out in the states where I could and 
uh, again, if I if I have any ulterior motives in life, it is that I want everyone, everyone, to be able to be gainfully employed having studied what they studied, and I want them to be gainfully employed at what they studied. So um, <laughs> it, it's kind of an uphill climb, but it's it's it, things are beginning to shift. We are seeing that. Yeah. Well, I think I've... so. So, Callie, um, I first, I'm I'm really sorry for your loss. Um, but we met, all three of us met in person for the first time at the uh, Atlantic Symposium. What was it? Last month, September, in September. Yeah. And you, um, along with Li Ming from the ASA, like opened my eyes, like blew the lid off, you know, off the whatever, and. Um, I've been harassing Josh to get you on the podcast because I was like, people don't know this. They do not know what's going on in our field. Um, And so I'm really excited you're here to explain um, to our field what's going on. And um, I did just for example, at our last seminar of of this year of 2019, um, we took some time out of the seminar to, to discuss some of these things that I learned at the Atlantic symposium from you and and it's true. Pe- most of the people there had no idea what was going on. And, and admittedly, I, I'm one of these people. I, I come to my clinic. I do my thing. I don't want to take insurance, so I don't take insurance. I, I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> pretty, I was pretty ignorant before I spoke to you and before, before I learned all of these things. Um, so let's, um, let's <laughs> I, at some point during this podcast, I want to talk about obviously what you guys have been working, what, for the last 10 years to get done and also what's going on in Washington state and, and where this field is, is going and how maybe we can, we can keep it from falling off a cliff. I, <laughs> I think we're, we're, we really need to clear back. something up. We need to clear something up. Callie, I wanted to have you on the podcast. Oh. And then <laughs> was dragging her feet. It was me. I said long, even before the symposium, Something else we have to get her on. So let's just just get that out there before any more mistruths. Well, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled to be a part of this, and and I think that most people who know me recognize that I am. I have always prided myself on being a shadow worker. I don't spend a lot of time telling people who I am. I just sort of chop wood and carry water and get things done. And so this is a big deal for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous. However, um, you're absolutely right in that people don't know about this, and they have to because we are now standing on the precipice of things that people don't even understand. Acupuncture would be covered, and it will be covered uh, on both uh, federal and state levels, not over and above scope of practice. It's going to be covered by CMS, and that doesn't mean that licensed acupuncturists would necessarily be covered. That's a good point. I I think there's this assumption that everything that happens in this country that has to do with acupuncture is is associated or synonymous with acupuncturists. It's not. Acupuncture can be done by a lot of other professions who have um, a lot of plans on, on infringing on our scope, and a lot of them will be successful at it. So if we're not going to be the ones that are mainstream, somebody else will be. That's and that's, but I want to back up quick, Callie, because um, when we introduced you, I know this is so, this is such good information. Danielle, Danielle and I are so excited too, because yeah, after the symposium, we were just, you know, wow, 
this is so important. And so we're excited, needless to say. Um, but I wanted though you were, were a board member for the uh, the ASA, the American Society of Acupuncturists, which is a I, I was <laughs> national organization. Yeah, and now you're a consultant. It is, it is the. Let's be clear. It, it is the national. The national. It's the only. Well, yeah. And, 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 and let only, me explain why I say that. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's important for me to clarify this because this is not a turf battle. This no. is this is about federal recognition. And so we have to, as a profession, come together and have a unified voice. And I don't think that anyone disagrees with that. I don't, I don't even think that anyone is really fighting over who that voice would be, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there were things that happened uh, nearly a decade ago that caused there to be some sort of vacuum in terms of um, national representation. And it's nobody's fault. No one needs to, to really point fingers anymore. We just have to step up to the plate and make sure that there is representation for licensed acupuncturists. And so the reason that I always reiterate that it is the organization is because if you look in the Federal Register and you look at a lot of the um, the different initiatives that have happened from the joint task forces to um, joint committee uh, reports to the VA to the DOD to anything that's happening on a, a national level from HHS down through CMS. What you will see is there is representation for licensed acupuncturists in the form of three organizations. One is the NCCAOM, understandably. They are the accrediting organization or the credentialing organization. The second is ACOM, and that would be the one that accredits the schools. And then the last one is what they consider to be the national organization, and that would be the ASA. And we've spent the last three years trying to hammer that home so that when they initially looked at who they could talk to when they wanted acupuncture, they asked me to go through all of the plethora of acronyms, as most industries have, right? But in right. ours, it's particularly <laughs> large and robust as to the number of organizations that were out there. Some of them actually were not even uh, properly organized, so we had to spend a great deal of time going through that. The second group was, uh, they were groups that were organized, however, they were regional, and so they weren't necessarily affecting the entire nation, even if they were strong enough to do so in their region. And then the last one was this, this category of national representation. And when I first hit the scene, I think ASA, and, and I don't mean when I hit the scene, because they knew who I was, because uh, I had worked in an integrative environment and, and inside of um, dealing with chronic pain and addiction for some time. Um, However, (laughs) I think ASA had been there about a year, and this is truly the little engine that could. We set up to um, have the ability to represent people nationally as much as we possibly could. I put them Mm -hmm. on the stage every chance that I got. Um, We did the first congressional briefing for opioids and, uh, and acupuncture in 2017, Um, And then we turned around and set about trying to gain representation on the CPT committee, which they recently did achieve. It was pretty phenomenal, actually. And that every single time we could make public commentary, we did so. We formed our relationships with the proper 
um, uh, c- congressman. Um, we have a relationship with uh, Congressman Tim Ryan's office, who does the acupuncture on the Hill every single year for us. And his feeling is that we just need more exposure. He, the last time I talked to him, he, he said, you just need exposure. We just need to keep building it out. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Congresswoman Chu has been a massive champion for acupuncture long before she ever hit Capitol Hill. She was doing so in her own district in California. So when we talk about national representation, we have to put our feelings aside and get behind the organizations that are actually listed because it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what they think, right? Well, yeah, and the ASA has over 5,000. It does. It does, and growing all the time. I believe they are up to, I think, at the time that I left the organization, when I say left, I mean, it's, um, I do help them with their, their federal fly-ins, and I, I absolutely adore this organization. You didn't um, leave. I just you did. can't get away. I didn't. No. <laughs> I did. <laughs> they pulled me back in. No, I definitely <laughs> I, I have my own. Um, I, I have always said that I would do anything for David Miller, who was the, the chairman, and that board is the hardest working board I've ever seen. But I, I have to extend that even further and say that their council works diligently to try and come up with things that are going to represent the entire nation, not just their own states. And that they, I think they had 28 states when I left. I think they're maybe up to 34 and growing all the time. But Kelly, I mean, and this, this is a nice segue into the next topic. Now, it's improving, but it's been difficult enough to get people to understand why their state associations are so important. But now, now we're saying, okay, now we have a national organization. Why is the national organization important, and how does it differ? I mean, this might be a silly question, but I want to get as basic as we can. How does it differ from the state organizations and what they're trying to accomplish? Sure. So, actually, it's a very important distinction. Um, the state organizations, as most people know, are there to basically represent those who, at a state level, so they're going to handle things like scope of practice. They're going to, if you want to extend it or or protect it from encroachment, then that's your state organization in a nutshell. They're going to uh, come up with member benefits and, and try and promote the profession within that state, but also take care of their own pr- practitioners inside of that state and offer as many benefits as they can from a national perspective. If we don't advocate for our profession, then it will be decided for us. And so only there's at no point in a national conversation are they going to invite 50 state associations to represent anyone. Um, right. The national organization is the cornerstone of representation uh, nationwide, period. And so while people may not understand uh you know like they i understand from an allocation of of funding that it may feel painful um to understand the difference and why both are needed is imperative we cannot move forward in this profession without a very strong national association representing them and this particular association definitely is doing it in a different way, but it's still representation. They're doing it by representing the state associations. They're technically a federation, so they're not a direct member organization. But what that means for most people is then it becomes important that they, if they 
want to join a state association, they also need to encourage them to join the, the national association as well so that they can be represented on both levels. And for most people, they don't recognize that they already are state mem- or, uh, national members because as soon as they join that ASA state association, they automatically become members of the American Society of, of Acupuncturists. So they have this built-in benefit. Now it's just about letting them know what this association can do for them and putting together calls to action so that they understand that they have a voice moving forward, which is what we've been trying to do. Um, I tell this story all the time. And it was shocking when I had to say it to them in uh, June when they were just recently here for their inaugural meeting. I was so very proud of them. They put 183 acupuncturists on the Hill, which is a lot of people to be giving a unified message. But And, Josh, I believe you were in the room, so we're going to pretend that you haven't heard this information, and I'm going to let you answer, and, and hopefully everybody will gasp just like they did before. <laughs> I, I don't always say, there. oh, <laughs> well then this ought to be fun. (laughs) So I tell people all the time, it's wonderful that we put 183 acupuncturists on the hill. It was the first time it had been done. We did a health fair that went with it. We needled 180 offices in that health fair, and we saw uh, even more than that because we took 1,100 meetings across 183 acupuncturists. That's phenomenal. However, Mm. prior to that, Uh, I believe in March or April, the physical therapist came to town. And I'm not here to to dispute, you know, any or debate anything with regards to dry needling or trigger point acupuncture or uh, or acupuncturist versus physical therapist. It doesn't really matter. But I will tell you that everybody's seeking reimbursement for acupuncture, and so therein lies the issue, right? Right. Right. Now, we put 183 on the hill. How many do you think – the physical therapist put on the hill on their particular lobby day? Danielle? A thousand. Okay, a thousand. Josh? Uh, About (laughs) 20,000. You were close, much closer. They put 16,000 on the hill. I know that. Yeah, I I wanted to, yeah, you started to get into this and I wanted to draw it out. That's exactly right. And um, they're showing up in big numbers and they have a big national representation. So when every state, whatever way it goes, the physical therapists are fighting to expand their scope and go into dry needling and acupuncture and the acupuncturists are up in arms, they actually have the backing of the national organization, yes, backing them up in each state. And, um, and we're, we're not just seeing this with physical therapists, right? We're going to get into that too, but, the nurses are showing up, <laughs> and they yeah. have, I don't even want to know how many are going to show up with the nurses, because that could be more. Yes. Hundreds um, of thousands. Moreover, they're sort of cited on national levels as being just shy of the influence of the AMA. And some ta- some people would tell you that they have even more, because by and large, when you poll the public, nurses come up as the most trusted profession in the nation. Mm-hmm. We have we have mountains to climb. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so I just, it's incredible what. Well, uh, before I forget, it's incredible how much has been accomplished with so little, considering the resources. Um, I mean, the people that are on the ASA and in these state associations are incredibly resourceful. Like 
yeah. you know, defending dry needling in, in Florida, for example, like they, they fought that off, you know, so PTs can't, can't practice dry needling and New York continues to defend it. And I know that has lost in other States, but these associations are doing a lot more than just that. And look at what is being accomplished. But Callie, how long is that sustainable unless more people really get involved? I mean, you know, we're it's, really leaning heavily on you and a few others. Yeah, probably. very it's not small sustainable. Fee. Yeah, it's not sustainable. And, and so, you know, uh, Danielle alluded to the nurses getting involved. We're already seeing that the nurses are seeking, in Washington State, they would be seeking acupuncture and not dry needling. And so there's some complicated things, and I don't know how, you know, in depth you want to get. It, it, it involves uh, CPT representation, which you guys need to know how hard fought that was for a number of years, and the very fact that there is not a dry needling code, but in fact a trigger point acupuncture code, you can thank the ASA, you can thank specifically Eric Buckley and David Miller and Amy Major and Maury West, because they absolutely stepped up to the plate in order to do that. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> well, Eric definitely um, spent a great deal of time. They kept seeming to move the bar for membership of this HIPPEC group, and mm -hmm. that just recently we have been informed that we, we have achieved the status of being able to have a seat at the table. And this is important, and, and this might actually get into some nuanced things, but this is what people need to understand about policy. This is not politics, Right. The AMA owns the CPT code. So when people talk about how they want us to advocate for better reimbursement, that is not a legislative activity. That doesn't have anything to do with us. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the legislation, period, because it's not mandated. It's a private code that is universally used, and then they have some other hospital codes that they use as well, also known as HICPICs. So the HICPAC committee that you would be sitting on is something that is occupied by people like podiatrists, um, chiropractors, physical therapists, occupational therapists. Um, there's a whole slew of them, ophthalmologists, you name it, that are considered mm -hmm. outside of the realm of normal physician services in mainstream medicine. And they're this scrappy little group that has their own set of rules and acupuncturists were seeking a seat at that table um, prior to this acupuncture code that was being or this dry needling code that was being put up to help you understand what a big deal this was they had been seeking it for some time did not actually decide that they were going to uh, to try and, and wield any influence and then once the acupuncturists kept trying to join and have this voice they kept moving the bar on what would constitute membership and be able to have a seat at the table. And so the NCCAOM stepped in as, as uh, somebody who has diplomates and therefore more than 50% plus one of representation for the acupuncturist. They said, we can do that, and immediately they were turned down because they are a credentialing agency. And you mm. can't really have that uh, that kind of relationship because people are not coming to you by choice. They are coming to you by mandate that they get their licensure and this is a part of it, right? So that makes sense. So then they had this idea that they would have the academy and that would be, you know, people could choose to be members and get their CEUs there. And unfortunately that fell flat with the HICPAC committee. So the fact that 
uh, they were then told that they had to have annual meetings, that they had to represent 50% plus one, and that they had to be in business for three years. At the time, ASA had been around for about a year and a half. So they were consistently trying to get around the acupuncturist having any representation in this group. So Mm -hmm. as all of this is happening, and we're starting to count the numbers on 50% plus one, you have a problem in that your state associations, right, don't necessarily, Mm -hmm. there are lots of unaffiliated people, correct? Right. So, so. We don't know, you know, how are we ever going to get to that place. And what ASA managed to do that I can honestly say was brilliant was they reached out to other organizations to have them say that, in fact, ASA does represent uh, the bulk of the interest inside of this industry. As all of that was happening, they managed to fight that dry needling code. And really what happened is they got a code in for trigger point acupuncture that is untimed, and they said it actually is exactly the same as dry needling. So that's very valuable to us because, well, other organizations and other professions have been saying that it is not acupuncture, when in fact we've always said that it was. Right. Secondly, <laughs> right. And secondly, um, I don't think these people are really happy about the reimbursement rates on this new code because it is untimed. And therefore, it's going to be treated more like a manual therapy code with a very low reimbursement and in a realm where we were already really undervalued to begin with. Mm. And then right after that came down, we heard about a week ago, my days are running together, but I think about a week ago, we were informed that we do, in fact, at ASA, now have a seat at the HICPAC table. So the enormity of that decision cannot be uh, overstated enough. It is imperative that we have decision-making ability. Why? Because when I went to the RUC meeting by uh, invitation only, and I realized that even though we were the ones who had put forth the trigger point acupuncture code, the people who were involved in the evaluation process and the only ones who were allowed to turn in surveys were people who had a seat at that table originally, and that was the chiropractors and the (laughs) therapists. The, how do you, how, the how do we like other the people? And the physical therapist. Yeah, how do, mm-hmm. how do we like other people making decisions for us, you know? Exactly. Making decisions that on right our there. profession. And I had to watch. I mean, I'm glad I got to watch. I'm glad that I had to petition to be able to be in the room. But at the same time, <laughs> It's a helpless feeling because you don't even recognize, like, who are, they, who are they surveying in their membership and what exactly are they describing at this point and how do they have outcomes and where did that information come from and why aren't the people who put the code up to begin with seated at this table as they determine the very important process of what they are going to pay people to do this work with. Mm-hmm. So, and, that, and that's incredible. the private I mean, side of it. <laughs> well, right. This, this, this can bring us right into HR6 and the whole idea that, again, what we mentioned earlier in the podcast is that, you know, there's this idea that we see something like, oh, the CMS uh, Center for Medicare Services, I believe, um, you know, they want to study acupuncture and they want to study it and, you know, see how effective it is for, let's say, back pain, I think it was. And, oh, great, that's good for acupuncture. Yeah, but that's not necessarily good for acupuncturists. You want to you talk a little right. bit more about that? Sure, sure. And actually, I'll start with HR6. So 
So H.R. 6 was the, the Support Act, which passed and was signed into law in October of last year. And that public law, has to, it was considered the opioid package. And it was delivered uh, quite unexpectedly, actually, because we didn't expect to see anything move. And it is a conglomeration of about, oh, probably, I would say, it's 400 and almost 60 pages of what amounts to studies because the GOP did not want to have – they didn't want to attach a lot of appropriations to anything. They didn't want to spend a lot of money, which mm -hmm. is fine. But here's what happens. When this is signed into law, you have a very diverse community of acupuncturists who are now starting to call this the Medicare bill for acupuncture when it was nothing of the kind. There is an acupuncture uh, piece the, and there's language in it. And, and again, what it amounts to is a study, and it's not even a study of the efficacy of acupuncture. That has been done ad nauseum. It is a study of the barriers to access through CMS to acupuncture and others, other, other modalities. But in this, we know what the barrier is. They don't cover it. And so it's really <laughs> just a way of stalling, right? Yeah, it's very yeah. hard not to get super excited and very apathetic at the same time because it's just a bill that amounts to a study of what you know what we already knew. Now what we have to do is we have to go back once we have the information, and we do have that now, that we get that there's a barrier to access and it has to do with the lack of coverage. And so what we started seeing are these federal agencies who were beginning to study different things. You've got... ARC and HHS and CMS, and they're all studying varying aspects of things like chronic pain, acupuncture's approach to it, what acupressure can do, um, you name it, they were studying it. Now, this seems like it would be exciting. The problem is that we're still not covered, and it would take an act of Congress in order to do that. So <laughs> we don't... We haven't changed the Social Security Act yet to include licensed acupuncturists in the roll call of professions that are allowed to uh, perform services and be reimbursed through CMS. They will cover acupuncture. It's happening. It's going to happen. They are doing pilot studies. Um, we, mm -hmm. have, we have put in for, we publicly commented that we wanted to make sure that licensed acupuncturists were a, a part of these studies. Not only that, that we were listed as such rather than as other or ancillary care um, so that we could statistically be tracked. And then that helps in mainstreaming us down the road, right? It's complicated. It's convoluted. But at the end of the day, what people need to be clear, and I cannot stress this enough, you are standing on the precipice of watching the thing that you have studied to do and that is your career and your profession. And in most cases, when I deal with acupuncturists, also they're very, very passionate. You are standing on the precipice of watching your skill set be adapted by people who have not studied as long as you, and you will be relegated to the spas because you will not be covered. Acupuncture will be covered. Licensed acupuncturists have yet to be. So how do how do we uh, how do we address that? 
Well, we we do it by champion. We find our champions, and we do have champions in Congress. We have uh, Judy Chu is there. She sits on Ways and Means, which is a very powerful, powerful committee that has to do specifically with CMS. And she has absolutely stated that she's willing to, you know, address. She is responsible, by the way, for studying that barrier to access, and and we should applaud her efforts and and encourage from our own constituency bases our particular representatives to get on board with her. She has two bills, one that has to do with veterans and one that has to do with seniors. And there and, and it actually has the word acupuncture in it, which is a beautiful thing. We have to organize our constituency bases through our own practitioners and through their patients so that we can make sure that people understand the very importance of acupuncture, not from a perspective necessarily of telling them how it works, but telling them that it works and that it works for people who vote for them. So, so well, I was just going to say mainstream is such an, such a resisted word and a lot of people mm-hmm. in our field don't want to do that. Why, why if somebody, why, why is it that someone who does not want to be involved with Medicare or work in a hospital, or work in you know for the DoD or the VA. Why why should they have have uh, you know um, a stake in this, or why 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 should they prioritize this or be worried about it? Well, so I think it goes back to I, I cannot speak for uh, practitioners who came up in the 70s and 80s and even early 90s um, because their education was much cheaper than who is enrolled in schools now. We have a lot of practitioners who are coming out of school anywhere from at least 85000 to sometimes as, as much as $250,000 in debt and then some. And so when mm-hmm. you come out and you don't have any prospects that are mainstream or any other prospects outside of hanging a shingle, um, and I will say that the schools have done a much better job at teaching them a business portion of this, uh, that maybe that hadn't happened before, but even still, if your only prospects are to hang a shingle, then basically we're talking about the people that are successful in the field are primarily successful because they know how to market themselves, not necessarily because they have any greater skill set at all. And so if people are interested in things like student loan forgiveness or residency programs that would um, you know, the Chinese community talks about increasing the educational components all the time, when in fact, really, what we probably need more are residency programs so that there's more clinical mm-hmm. activity. And all mm-hmm. of those things are, are fully funded by uh, CMS and HHS. So if you want to take part in things like that, then you have to play this game. And that game is mainstream medicine. Yes, it's a broken system. But we will never change it from the outside. No, and the fact is, is that um, you know, and we'll talk more about the nurses, you know, and what 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 that could mean. I mean, when you start having nurses in doctors' offices getting all the referrals, there might be a lot less, and in hospitals, Mm -hmm. and in the VA uh, clinics. Right. Right. So where where do the LACs? Why would you? You know, you're not going to refer to a private practice. Well, and I think I think. Yeah, so so I, I want to say something about that, too. And when people talk about mainstream medicine, 
they often don't, or mainstream medical, they don't really know what they're talking about half the time. Most people have either been in, like, a hospital, right, but they don't recognize that there are other avenues, such as, um, you know, substance abuse clinics, um, LTAC facilities, long-term acute care facilities, uh, long-term chronic care facilities, nursing homes, um, wellness centers, preventive centers, um, taking part in various state and legislative task forces that are that are talking about what uh, everybody is talking about right now, which is the opioid crisis. We should be on the forefront of everything, and it requires that you know, in order to pay us, that we are a part of CMS. Because while there are some hospitals and there are some facilities and there are places that think outside the box and they have found ways to get around it, ultimately we have to be able to serve every population that those particular facilities would be taken care of. Otherwise, they are going to find those who are already a part of the system to do that. And who is that? Apparently everyone. It is the MDs, the PTs, the OTs, the Kairos, the NPs, the PAs. You name it, if it's got an acronym, it can do acupuncture. And they are seeking it statewide like a, uh, like a dust storm that rose up out of California and just is spreading. And the we are going to get – that's right. That's exactly, and, and so are the athletic trainers. Yeah. The nurses. The nurses scare me the most, and I remember when they would bring nurses in to wherever we were doing uh, auricular on heroin addicts. And I thought at the time, oh, gosh, (laughs) oh, my gosh, if they get some exemption statewide and nurses are allowed to do what we do without studying it, we will be obsolete because they're everywhere. And, again, trusted by the public trusted by the doctors and they're wonderful people don't get me wrong <laughs> i especially in in an addiction setting where we're talking about five points i don't necessarily have a problem with that but where does it stop right where does the encroachment stop right and so so we have to protect ourselves so we started talking about the um the support um of the ASA and how you know the state organizations are now joining on and becoming part of the ASA. Do you know how many states are part of the ASA? I think at last count they talked about having 34 states. I would have to check in okay. with Lee Ming Singh, who is the secretary, um, or Amy Major. And I would tell you that you can call over there at any point, and right. they're a wealth of information. And also their association, or their, um, their website provides a tremendous amount of information and resources as well. Right. So since we're starting to talk about nurses, I definitely want to get into the details of what's happening in Washington. But to, just to reiterate that, well, I, we'll get there, but, you know, talking about how when the professions that show up and have national membership, even on the state level, that support goes all the way there to that state. Right. So let's let's give a background on what's going on in Washington. Do you mind? I don't mind. I mean, I can only speak to, again, everything is unverified and all stuck in rumor and innuendo right now, so I need to preface that, because until a bill is filed, we can't know for sure. But essentially, mm-hmm. what is rumored to be happening is that the, the the way that Washington State works is one year they have a very short legislative period, and the next year they have a full legislative period. And right now, we are in a short period. What has been discussed is that the nursing associations there, and once they gather together, it doesn't matter their delineation, they approach as nurses, 
um, they are seeking acupuncture, not dry needling. And that distinction is very, very important. And the second distinction that's important is that they're not seeking to do it for some ridiculous small amount of hours, even though it is still ridiculous to us. It's not like 80, which you could do in a weekend, right? It is, and it's not even like 300, like MDs, or I think chiropractors are down to, in places, they only require 100. Yeah, they're seeking 400, 400 hours. So, again, doesn't feel like a lot when you have 3,100 like I do. However, 400 is more than anybody else has ever put forth. Now, if they do that and they're that organized and they are that organized, Washington State will only be the beginning. And then what happens if people say, that's fine, let them have the scope of practice, let them have the, you know, like who cares? We're talking about nurses, right? And how much could that really affect us? Well, it can affect you because who do you think will get the referral even if we become a part of CMS and Medicare? Even if we're there, who do you think is going to get the referral for acupuncture? It's going to be nurses. And they're already like being the system. They're high, very they're they're trusted by the medical community. Mm-hmm. They have a, a great reputation, um, and it just makes sense that they would refer to them. You know, <laughs> will they be limited because they won't have a private practice? Maybe, maybe so not. So that remains to be seen. Yeah, wow. that remains to be seen. It, they, what if what if the way of doing? You know, we we don't even know what this looks like. Is this a situation where they employ nurses that have that sort of scope because they're putting in wellness and preventive measures that would be in accordance with the ACA in order to get more money? That's something that's a possibility, right, if we're really just paying attention to the legislation. And I don't mean to hammer that home, but it's sort of what I do. And so if you're talking about being ACA compliant, if you're talking about Medicaid expansion in the states where there's a preventive and wellness focus, we still have 14 states that haven't done that, but that leaves the rest of them that have either fully expanded or put in, you know, 1115 demonstration projects through uh, CMS. So this could impact us in a number of ways that is not limited to just getting our foot in the door, but also may affect what our bottom line is in terms of patients outside of that, like Mm -hmm. workers' compensation or, you know what I mean? Like we just don't know. If your physician or if a physician wants to um, refer out for acupuncture, they're going to say, I have a nurse in my office that does this now. That's right. (laughs) They're going to keep that. That's exactly right. And we can complain about their lack of training or lack of training in a given specialty. We can complain about their inability to really, really perform acupuncture in, in, a, in a setting like that. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll do it no. and people will get better and patients will feel better. And That's they'll right. be the, so, I mean, this is That's like right. why the, the, the app, the apathetic attitude, the complacency, the kind of just, you know, I, I want to do my own thing and leave, leave, you know, uh, leave me alone that's gotten us to where we're at now that's and right. we're going to keep pushing for increased membership at the state level. And Callie, as you mentioned, you know, often for most States, I don't want to speak like I, I know exactly, but for most States, you join the state association, you're a member of the ASA. That's and right. you're so they are the same state. 
That's right. And I, I would say even if you join an association and they're not a member of ASA, that they should be pushing for that membership. Yes. Moreover, there is an individual membership um, on the website at www.asacu.org. And so you can join. I believe when we came up with it, it was like $10 as a student for mm-hmm. a year, which we really want to see people take advantage of those student memberships so that we can start training them on how to advocate for their profession. And then I think the other, if it's still there, I haven't checked lately, but it used to be about $100 annually to join as, a, as an individual member. If you, you would not be able to vote in anything, that has to come through your state association. And I would say that the value of membership comes most from joining the state association first. But if your state is not a member, you can definitely join as an individual, and they're always looking for people to help in any way, shape, or form. So get involved. Get involved, exactly. <laughs> get involved. And join and your actually, state association. Yeah. Right, and come to D.C. We're, we're about to, in uh, May 2nd through 4th, uh, we will have our second conference in D.C., um, and we're just now starting to to hone in on what our messaging is going to be. And so I do encourage you guys to get to your state associations to tell them what's important. And you also should be on the lookout for surveys that are coming out from uh, the ASA so that they can absolutely represent your uh, views as much as possible. And so they're, they're definitely an organization that is trying desperately to, to do things the right way. And it, it does take, you know, like we've got to set apathy aside. Um, it, it matters. It absolutely matters uh, for everyone who has ever wanted to really see acupuncture flourish, but as done by licensed acupuncturists, fully trained professionals, then unfortunately for you, the only option is to get involved. It, it won't be happening if you don't. Yeah, my my concern is that you know you you get a couple victories and then people think, eh, they did it without me. You know, they they're they're doing it for me. They, you know, I don't need to get involved. That is, and again, right. I'm just going to repeat it. It's not sustainable. You think that no, these no, relatively <laughs> few people can continue to do all the work for your field? They can't. They're going to get and burned it, out. They're going to get oh, a lot of people are getting burned out. God, I, I talked to you know, different people in different state associations. And it's not even like, you know, for God's sakes, join your association. I mean, like Arizona had a, I think it was $65 to join. Really? Mm-hmm. And you're not a member? I mean, and then, you know, the problem is it's not only money, which is important because you got to play the game and you need lobbyists. Um, right. But the other issue is time. They need right. to, you know, you could donate a, a few hours of time. That's huge. That's what they need well, as well. Well, you know, I would say this. If people could donate the same amount of time that they do to, say, complaining on Facebook, we would get a whole lot more done. <laughs> we get a lot you know, of hey, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> a lot of man hours. It's not doing anything. So, so yeah, we yeah. would have a lot of man hours. So we had 183 <laughs> acupuncturists this 2019 on the Hill, and mm-hmm. the physical therapist had 16,000. Maybe I'm going to circulate this podcast far and wide as far as I can. 
Maybe we can hit a thousand this year. People show up. I would up. love to hit a thousand. I am, I am definitely. I was talking to the ASA yesterday, and and what I'm offering them is that I want to make sure this time around we pick the ask that is going to have the greatest impact, the least amount of controversy, and that just takes education. And so again, I want to reiterate that for all of you people who don't want to be part of this broken system, that don't want to. Uh, being reimbursed, you don't take insurance, you don't care about CMS, you don't care about any of that, great. Then you sit on the sidelines and you do what you're doing without necessarily getting in our way. For the rest of you, recognize that those same people also want student loan forgiveness and they want residency programs. And therefore, there is a need to step up to this plate immediately because we have about three years before all of this is no longer in our hands at all. We need to set up an event, um, like a, like even a Facebook event um, that we can start circulating for the ASA conference. I think we, maybe we'll send an email. That is is about to happen. So what we have to do right now is they just signed this contract. Obviously you don't want to advertise anything until you have a contract with the hotel. And so that's been done. And now we have to make sure that we pull. Right. What would really be helpful from you guys is we need to put together a poll for potential asks. And we really do want to hear from the acupuncture community because after that, we want to go into the new year knowing exactly what we're going to be asking for with the recognition that there is a bill that talks about um, uh, with Judy Chu's bill that talks about having us be a part of CMS. So, you know, this is not really politics, guys. This is policy, and there's a huge difference. And so the more that we can educate people and hold these webinars that are going to teach them how to do this when they come to town, my goal Mm -hmm. is by the time you get to D.C. that this is fun. You know, I want you guys mm-hmm. to understand how important it is to to be the advocate for this profession. Uh, and it is a blast. At least it's a blast the way that I do it because I I am so passionate about this. And most of the people that I work with when I am a, a either a boots-on-the-ground lobbyist for them or we're doing grassroots strategies, the implementation of this has to has to be something that they're enjoying, right? So not that it's a party. But it is definitely something that people find infectious. And over time, it becomes this thing. You know, this is just a thing that we do, and we do it together, and we're cheerleaders for our organization. So we're looking, I'm setting a goal for each state to be putting in somewhere between, I would love to see 50, at least 50 constituents per state. Um, I don't know if we can do it, but I know that we can try, right? I know that there are states in which we are highly underrepresented. However, just because something is not happening in your state doesn't mean that it doesn't have a national impact. And a lot of these states that are rural in nature are the ones who are struggling the most with opioids and the ones who are struggling the most with rural hospitals being shut down. So they need options pronto, and they're looking for them. You know, the thing is, it's like there's this idea that well, it's so good to have opportunities after school. Like, mm-hmm. so you get out of, you get out of, out of acupuncture school. I dare say most people suck at business. Like, now you have to be a business person. Why not work for someone for a little while? Why not work for the VA or the 
Department of Defense or have opportunities where you could work and, you know, get, get some experience and get your feet, you know, mm-hmm. get your feet wet, so to speak, I guess. And, uh, you know, start paying off your loans, get yourself financially set. So while it may not be, you may feel like, well, I'm undervalued if I work at a VA. <laughs> you know what? There's mm-hmm. there are a lot of other recent graduates and even seasoned professionals who would like those positions. And, I you know, I want everybody it. to be employed. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would, oh I would have jumped at it just because of the benefits package that come out of working for the federal government. I would have jumped <laughs> oh, at it. And and honestly, there's you know people talk about companies like Modern Acupuncture. Um, I would have jumped. I would have jumped at that too because mm-hmm. I did not necessarily want to have. I, I had run businesses before. I didn't want to worry about that. I just wanted to be an acupuncturist. And so, I I think from everybody's perspective. And here's a little tidbit, just so you know. You guys need to. They need to put their resumes out on Indeed on on major um, uh, sites because I recently was contacted by Fort Bragg, which are, has arguably the largest network of potential patients in the United States uh, within the military system, and they were looking for just an acupuncturist to come in and put needles in bodies uh, because they are expanding their their wellness and prevention programs. And they told me they <laughs> that I was the only resume they could come across on this particular um, site that they were looking for. And, of course, they'd heard my name because I work with the DOD and the VA. And hmm. I forwarded that information because I don't, I don't have a license to practice anymore. I forwarded that to the North Carolina State Association in the hopes that they could find somebody to fill that role um, and to let people know also that you don't have to be licensed in North Carolina to work in a, in a federal facility. All you have to do is hold a license. And you can work Mm. anywhere on the globe for a federal facility. Oh, wow. Very cool. So people need to get their resumes out there. Yes. Yeah, Um, I don't want to. uh, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, so so Kelly, and, you know, we're going to talk further with more board members of BASA, but keep us in mind if if you want us to post polls. If you want us to share those events, we'll definitely be doing that. Um, and I'm curious for your, um, you know, goal setting and for your, like, for the potential ask that you're talking about, are you going to give a bunch of examples? Do you want people, where would people submit something like that? Right. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll put together an online poll. The, the only poll that I put together before was I wanted to hear acupuncturists in their own words and what they told me. Uh, and they told the ASA then, when we were simply asking, like, what can we do for you? What what are we lacking in? Where would you, you know, where do you think that the national and the state organizations could step up? In something like this, we're going to give them uh, multiple choice options so that they, and, and with explanations, so that they understand mm-hmm. um, from start to finish what this ask would be. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want people, I know there are lots of opinions and and things have shifted quite a bit. I know there are opinions about being a part of this system. I hear it every single day. And to that, I, I will only say this. I was adamant that I would not be part of that system either. And so for years, I did not take insurance. And then I had a conversation with an 84-year-old uh, potential patient that was brought to me 
through um, hospice care, and and because she was the sister of the former president of the board of the school that I went to. And it occurred to me in talking to her, while she could still speak, by the way, because she had glioblastoma and was rapidly deteriorating, it occurred to me that there are some people who will never learn how beautiful this medicine is except through insurance. And even if I don't like the way that it's done and I don't agree with the way that it's set up to be reimbursed, I do understand that I can still make an impact in that environment, and if I do so, that much like the ripples when you hit the water with a pebble or a rock, that that will carry over, and eventually we can transform this system. So, Kelly. Well, we our feet at the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Kelly pulling out the heartstrings. Look at that. Yes. You know, Kelly, though, <laughs> um, there will be people, plenty of practitioners who figure out how to how to work with Medicare, how to work with insurances are already are. And these are higher volume clinics that have a really, really good workflow that have their systems down tight. And so, you know, you're applying those principles where um, maybe you could get away with a little more in private practice. Although I mean, there are great clinics out there that are so tight and they're just very busy. You apply those same principles to an insurance practice or just have that practice take insurance and, you know, so in other words, long story short is people will fi- will figure it out. And it's better to have that as an option than the not to. I, I wouldn't right. take the care, but I can see how people can make it work. Why not, you know? Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about whether or not I would take Medicare. I would caution people that you can't, like, you can't opt into the system and then decide you want to opt out when you've seen it. That's right. No. Because then you can't, you can't actually treat any of the population again, right, which is everybody because right, right. everybody will be old. Um, however, you know, I understand people turning their nose up to Medicaid. Um, you know, when you hear about California practitioners making $8 every 15 minutes for putting needles in, nobody can live like that. However, no, no, not you know, that can't be your only part, part of your practice, I suppose. Right. That's really what it comes down to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are, you know, if you're talking straight Medicaid, uh, and even with straight Medicare, I mean, reimbursement rates are lower. That's why they have these plans that subsidize Blue Cross Blue Shield, right. Excellus, Fidelis. They they offer higher reimbursement rates. So to be right. a part of the system is you have to be a part of the whole system. And you know. And it's a crazy system. I don't want anybody thinking that we're we're all sitting over here being flippant no. about no. reimbursement rates. We are not. Um, managed care though is managed care, right? And the crooks of managed care, unfortunately, has has subsided into this very big concern about cost, even when they talk about quality and access, right? That three-legged stool that we're talking about so often. Um, mm-hmm. They've become quite phenomenal at managing the cost of care. And they're actually getting really good at, at expanding the access, but they have yet to resolve the quality of care. Now, I say that because of what we do for a living, that we are the resolution to the quality of care, period. So that's, that's something that I want everybody to sit with, and that is that, you know, just our very presence is going to make a big difference. So, you know, I join or don't join, but it will make a difference. 
It will. It'll make a lot. And there, again, this goes beyond just insurance and, uh, you know, building insurance and being accepted by insurance. It goes, it goes beyond that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, so, okay. Doom and gloom. Everything's terrible. <laughs> you know, they're all screwed. Quicker, there's, you know. there's a glimmer of hope with the recent success. We just have to. There. there, there is a glimmer. So actually, Danielle brings up a very valid point, and that is that you know we spend a lot of time talking about everything that's bad, right? The glimmer is always there, and the glimmer comes when you see that there is a, a Fort Bragg call for. An, an acupuncturist, I get it, it's Anne, but soon it will be a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. The glimmer mm-hmm. is knowing that the VA incorporates acupuncturists already and would like to incorporate more. The glimmer is that CMS is still studying it, but they are leaning towards making sure that this becomes a standard part, it, a part of standard care. And, and that's why I want to stop using, like, the mainstream uh, word, um, because I think we're talking about transforming things that are mainstream and making standard care be sparkle a little bit more, right? It needs to sparkle a bit. I, I think that we should stop throwing opioids at pain uh, for every single situation and recognize that we've got tools in this country and practitioners of said tools that could make a difference in people's lives so that they are not addicted to something. They're dealing with something that is non-invasive, non-addictive, and and also can help improve in a lot of ways that, sorry, but mainstream medicine has never even thought of, right? Because we are not dealing with sick care. We are dealing with making people's lives a lot better. And so that's the glimmer, is that at least we're starting to see things on Capitol Hill reflect what's changing in this country. I'm so tired of being the the first word in quack watch, you know. Acupuncture has proven itself. Be worthy of being off the quack watch list, right? So that's the glimmer. Um, Yeah, and I mean, if you look at what's been done with what we have, think about what we can accomplish if we really come together. That's right. We're really looking That's right. Can you imagine if we just uh, took the hill with thirty thousand acupuncturists? <laughs> you know, I, I I will tell what you. What a statement that I, would make. Well, I don't know if you guys were at the first ASA meeting, but I I will tell you this: the everyone there, we we opened our doors to Tai Chi in the morning. Uh, or Qigong, and let everybody come in at the hotel and be a part of that. And uh, the the hotel said, those are the nicest people we have ever had at this hotel. <laughs> and then we went to Capitol Hill, and the impact was so great that I had uh, congressional staff members who, who were like, and, and they know me well because I'm the person who puts on integrative health fairs there. Um, they looked at me and said, hey, can you do this next week? And I was like, no, <laughs> it takes a lot of work. <laughs> you know, I can do this annually, but I do see a time period where, you know, we now have a congressional office of wellness. And so they are starting to focus on what that means. And acupuncture could be, acupuncturists could be at the very crux of that. We can change everything just by virtue of being who we are, right? Our very presence. Very sure. Good. Right. 
Yeah. So we we are going to be there this, this year, and Good. we have made sure we have scheduled nothing that weekend. We made sure that we have no seminars that weekend, and we have started Good. talking to our instructors about being there. So, and we will continue Wonderful. to talk to our classes and and everybody in the group about being there. <laughs> I well, what say- I would like to do is is put things together for like a webinar purpose. If if we can if we can partner in that, I would love to be teaching yes. people long before they get there how yes. to be advocates. We would mm-hmm. love to. We would love. We can host your webinar. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and wonderful. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for all your hard work and everything you're doing. Likewise, it is a, a privilege. To be here, it was a an honor to meet you both, and and to know that there are other people out there who are just as passionate. and And I always do talk about this. I I want compassionate discourse. I want us to stop fighting with each other, and oh, recognize yeah. that together we are pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, we're, we are not going to agree on everything. No, period. But <laughs> no. There are, we have a lot in common, and I think. When we meet each other in person, what a difference. And get the hell oh, off Facebook sure. and get, get in person. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that might be difference. that might be true of the yeah. entire social media world, right? But I, I will mm-hmm. tell you that even recently with kind of a blow up on social media, uh, just from a personal perspective, it gave me an opportunity to put my to to, you know, speak truth to power and, and make sure that I had people understand that I'm not the enemy. I and mm-hmm. and you sh- you couldn't you shan't <laughs> shoot the messenger, um, right, but right. I am I'm definitely of the opinion that you know if we want to affect change, nothing has ever happened by by screaming into an echo chamber. Well, know? that's something that this brings it full circle because in the beginning, you know, I'd mentioned that you get a lot of flack and pushback because of your message. Well, I do. It's uncomfortable, but don't shoot the messenger. You know, I mean, no, people, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think, like, I didn't understand. I think people don't understand the whole picture. It's not just about whether or not you want to take insurance. It's about the future of our profession and whether or not we're going to be performing the acupuncture or if everybody else is going to be performing it but us. That's mm-hmm. right. So, That's right. I, I don't want to see this become something that is um, diminished. And we may not have a lot of control over that in the beginning. Um, I work with uh, members of the DOD that actually uh, blow me away every single day. Um, They are special ops, and they have experienced a great deal of pain, and they they are tired of seeing their brothers and sisters commit suicide. And so for them, while they recognize that in the beginning – it may be that we have to play in their sandbox and conform to their ways because they come from this very standardized place. But mm-hmm. they also believe that the art comes from, because um, I have treated many of them, they consider it to be magic, you know, that there is there's something to being treated by somebody who's taken the time to study this this medicine in full that makes a difference rather than somebody who studied this uh, over, you know, a, I don't know, a weekend or, <laughs> uh, you know, a six-month period so that they could perform an extra modality, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that we have this ability to transform medicine or I will die trying, and that's a possibility because <laughs> nobody's ever gotten out alive. <laughs> 
right? That Nobody's ever gotten happen. out alive, so, uh, you know, it could happen. So well, I, I, I'm just thankful that you guys are out there too, you know? Oh, thank you. And I just encourage everybody listening, go to the ASA website, um, go to your state. Well, actually, the ASA website has all of the state association websites as well. So yes, you can front, you can find the state association through the ASA website. So go there, you know, get involved, become a member in the very least, be on a committee. You don't have to be a board member. Maybe an association has a committee you can help them with. I mean, we had Massachusetts pulled off a really great meeting uh, this year. At uh, he and Mark were working on it. Other people too. I don't want to leave anyone out. But they pulled off a, a great meeting. It was, you know, I don't know if they had the most people they've ever had, but they certainly had a turnout. And you know, people are really coming on board and they're and they're volunteering their time. Maybe it's maybe it's every week. Maybe it's you know, whatever. In any case, just please get involved. They're they're like Callie, working their tails off. And if ASA, uh, the ASA meeting, national meeting next year in May, early May, mm-hmm. uh, you'll meet a lot of great people and you'll see just how much work is going into protecting your scope of practice, your profession. And, you know, they're really just helping everyone. So They are. I, I wanna, will say, so that's, yeah. that's May 2nd through 4th, right? And then mm-hmm. because we met at the Atlantic Symposium, I just want to put out there that we will likely – uh, skip 2020 because we heard everybody say they wanted more time and go straight to a place where we're not encroaching on other people's um, uh, meetings either. So we're looking at February 27th and 28th uh, or February 26th through 28th, 2021, and I think we're going to be in New Orleans. Ooh. So, yeah, that seemed to pull better. <laughs> than the- <laughs> About being so. warm climate in the wintertime. I don't know that that That's might. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I need to have it, it up north somewhere. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh? Um, Newark Fine. was hard enough. Um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, that was that was tough. But I would say that um, we're looking at either Fort Lauderdale or St. Petersburg uh, in Florida or New Orleans. But I will always lean towards New Orleans because, well, it's home for me. New and, Orleans, wow. And, I know. I'm, I am a I'm a Southern Louisiana girl. So <laughs> um, I tried to quote uh, for our seminars in Fort Lauderdale in January, and it's very expensive. I would think February around February breaks would be even more expensive. expensive. So it's possible, <laughs> but but Not I have opposed. a contract negotiator for 20 years. That is the I call him the wizard, and so I never worry about it. I won't put anything up that's too terribly expensive because I have to do that anyway. Every time people come to DC, it is the single yeah. most expensive place in the world to hold a meeting. Mm-hmm. So um, for this, I New Orleans is a it's a good way to also incorporate the middle of the country who would like to <laughs> not have to travel very far. Um, a lot of people have not been to New Orleans. I was kind of surprised by that, but that's just me being egocentric. It's lovely. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> it it has like, both sides. <laughs> it's it's Vegas there. in the south. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you yeah, know, we definitely have plenty of opportunities to let loose and, you know, have a good time in in New Orleans too, so that's awesome. Sure. So, hey, sure. anywhere in the South in the winter, get me the hell out here in Central New York, and I don't care where it is. 
Yeah, I would say location, location, location in the winter for me, for sure. I want to make sure that <laughs> but as this grows, and we we had really good feedback from it, as it grows, I want to see uh, that people can, in fact, bring their families. You know, if you're going to ask people to be away, New Orleans may not be the place for that. But, you know, other places, who knows? And uh, and, and well, that we would be putting a call out for speakers as well. So, And I'm very happy that, you know, once we know the dates, we, like, Danielle mentioned before uh, for next year in May, we'll put any seminar that we can. So. Yeah, good. There you have it. So yeah. I've given you two dates. Just pay attention. <laughs> we are. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank, thank you, Callie. Really appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, enlightening us. Uh, and you know, this will be up on, uh, on iTunes and Stitcher in, in a little bit, so hopefully this gets some great coverage. And, uh, you know, okay. it was encouraging. It's it's a reality check. It's not meant to be discouraging. It's meant to encourage and really get people involved, which is what we need. We need that ASAP. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, Thank you again for everything that you do. Oh, well, I appreciate you. you coming on, and we'll be in touch. Talking and uh, great. Anything we know. All right. Thank great. you. Take care, right, guys. You. you too. Bye, Kelly. Thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, consider joining our Facebook group. Just search for Clear Path to Success Professional Development. Thank you all again.